Welcome back to What Makes You Tick. I'm Stephen Bradshaw and the reason I created this podcast is to help you find inspiration from the stories and experiences of others. What Makes You Tick is a vehicle for people to share their life's knowledge, their passions and experiences with you. I get energy and inspiration from talking to people and my goal through this platform is to help you learn from others and use this knowledge to inform your lives. She knew the price. She knew that she would be alienated, which she was for years. But I think she felt like I'm I'm not just doing it for my, you know, in some ways I'm doing it to support myself, my family, but also for the daughter that's not even born yet. Cause I know that, you know, if we're, you know, this is a generational change, but she's really paying the price for that. Born and raised in Washington, D.C., Ellie Walton is passionate about honoring and sharing stories of everyday revolutions. In this episode, Ellie shares some key moments in her life that set her on a path of curiosity, exploration, and adventure. I was introduced to Ellie by a former guest of mine, Tina Katari, and it was here where I found and learned about Ellie's documentary, Brave Girls. This hour-long documentary was shot over four years and explores the day in the life of young women in India who are bound to Indian norms and tradition of arranged marriages. It is through the documentary we see how brave these girls really, really are to go against their tradition, to extradite themselves from their community in order to follow their hearts and desires for further education. Ellie describes the experience, shares some behind-the-scenes moments with me, and exudes passion for life and the freedom of storytelling. Ellie's bright lust for life is unquestionable and it is through empathy and having a curious mindset that she's able to bring to the screen a world we may never have known otherwise. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my discussion with Ellie Walton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Makes You Tick and my guest today is a fascinating lady. she is a director, uh, but her story is incredible because it kind of shares, I suppose, an insight into people's lives that we wouldn't necessarily um, hear or see on our everyday. And it kind of gives you people an opportunity to reflect and to see, I suppose, how grateful we are in our own lives. And also then to, I suppose, acknowledge that there's others out there who are fighting still and constantly fighting through um, struggles. Um my guest is director and fascinating lady, Ellie Walton. Welcome. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Real joy to be here. And um, we have, um, I suppose, a luxury that we're recording on Paddy's Day. So happy Paddy's Day to everybody out there. Uh, when you hear this, um, I'll be sipping away on my pint of Guinness. And Ellie has a nice, sneaky little whiskey in the background there as well. So uh, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep it Irish, you know um but Ellie welcome welcome along how's how's life been going you do, you're good yeah all doing doing good yeah I got vaccinated on Friday oh did you great yeah you know that's a I'm filming that next week you know hanging with my kiddos seeing Things the light good. you know life is good, good. Like yeah, happy days. Um, we're we're slow on the list and the vaccinations, all right. But my sister's over in Philly, and uh, she got vaccinated yesterday as well. So, and her husband. So, I think you guys are moving a lot quicker than we are. <laughs> yeah, Ireland, Ireland doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> 
but it's a collective, right? Like yeah. I was feeling like I get it, but this is for everybody, right? Yeah. So the more people, wherever you are, it's yeah. a collective effort. To not exactly, so. exactly. Well, Ellie, let me let me start, and I think it'd be good to give people a bit of context in on who you are. Uh, you you grew up in Washington. What was it like growing up in Washington? Uh, because your your childhood was a little bit, I suppose, different to the the norm um, or what would be expected, right? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up, um, I grew up in a neighborhood called Mount Pleasant in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I grew up in the 80s, 90s, not to give away my age. It was very much a, a Latino barrio, you know, and, and I grew up, um, my mom was an artist um, on a street full of of people who hung out on their porches. And I feel like, you know, the neighborhood really raised me, you know, and um, I grew up kind of with this, um, just this feeling that that community was there to take care of each other, look out for each other. You walk down the street. I like, you know, me and my brother just ran up and down, played with everyone, danced at block parties, you know, before we we knew each other and we looked out for each other. and I'm, you know, that's something that has really, you know, stuck with me in terms of like that real value of community. Um, and yeah, so that was, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's interesting, isn't it? Because like um, community is such a big thing, I think, here in Ireland as well. And like we, we, we kind of say in Ireland that like, like Ireland is like a village, right? Everybody, everybody knows everybody. And one of the things that I've heard when people go to the States is that there's an element of anonymity that people can do what they want, say what they want, even tell stories how they want, and they'll never be checked or judged or anything like that because there's nobody to kind of catch them out for, for what's the word. But the, the fact that you grew up in a community, I think, is, is really interesting because that, I suppose, community aspect of things, like you're close to your, your, your family and I suppose is there is there a kind of link to how you found a way into pursuing a, a career of being a director, a film director? Is there a kind of a link there? Totally. And actually, you know, you know, I mean, there's so many seeds that get planted in you along the way. And like no life is A to B. Like my life has not been straight, you know, and, and in each turn I've made, there have been different folks that have inspired me. But but looking back um to growing up and really like the initial um I guess incident or moment that really set me on my path was actually when the kind of floor was sort of like kind of shaken um kind of like carpet was sort of taken from me and that actually is what I'm making a film about now and it's about um I was nine years old and a young man in my neighborhood was shot by a police officer and I remember walking up and seeing him being taken away and then seeing my neighborhood be surrounded by police and all of a sudden we were under attack because it unleashed um, an uprising um, against the shooting. And, and yet it was us that were seen as being to blame, you know? And I think, you know, this memory of running to the roof to escape tear gas and just feeling like this ain't right. And all of a sudden, um, you know, this community that raised me was under attack. And it was a realization of like the real injustice in the city that I grew up in, that I had been kind of unaware of, you know, as a nine-year-old, as a white girl, you know. And I think, you know, that just, 
initially was like set me on a journey to like how can I be part of movements, conversations, art that can that can allow um, allow people to really see one another and listen to one another. Lovely, yeah, because um, it's isn't it hard to, I suppose, in a crowded area and space to to get your voice out there, right? Um, and I suppose the fact that you guys were in a community and yet you were you were shouting, but nobody was hearing you or nobody was listening to you. Um, there's all there's other ways to tell the stories, right? Um, because one of the areas that I think and I think it's part of your your story as well is um, was it your sister and yourself were were out and you guys were um, basically fed up at the time, I suppose, of uh, the LGBT community were getting kind of downtrodden and they weren't being given a voice. And you and uh, you were young at this stage as well. Yeah. So you, you you shot your very, very first ever um, documentary or docu-movie called Lesbian <laughs> Avenger, Avengers, right? Yeah. Um, which I think is uh, brilliant. And if anybody wants to check it out, head to Ellie's website, elliewalton.com, and you'll get to see it for yourself and young Ellie being interviewed <laughs> and the whole lot. But uh, could you maybe describe um, that that moment? Because that was kind of like a, a nearly a shift in your own uh, trajectory, right? For sure. Because like I said, I was nine years old on my rooftop, like recognizing that it, like things weren't right, you know, like this is wrong what's happening. But I didn't know how, what to do about that, you know. And I think, you know, when my sister, um, she's 10 years older than me and she's an artist and just an incredible human being and just inspired me so much. Um, so when I, like two years later, I was 11, I actually changed my name to Jupiter. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, all my teachers would be like, Ellie, Ellie. I'd be like, no, that's not my name. I'm not. I'm not answering until you call me Jupiter. Um, so I was starting to shift and get well, a little. I can't be changed at eleven. <laughs> Go on. But um, so she was she was influencing me a lot. She's pretty radical, and she was part of a group called the Lesbian Avengers. And um, there was a um, roller skating rink where um, during couples time they had actually kicked some folks out who had been part of the lesbian avengers um because they were you know they were lesbians holding hands during couples time and so as an act of civil disobedience um my sister organized with the lesbian avengers um, to go there and during couples time to everyone go onto the floor um holding hands you know and and as we entered the roller rink, she handed me a camera. I'm 11 years old, holding this camera. And, and I just remember that feeling, pressing record, capturing my sister, be this like revolutionary on the roller rink. And then the police stormed in and like continuing to roll as the police stormed in. Um, but you know, it didn't fully click for me till that night because when the news team arrived, they asked us for the footage and we gave them the tape. Yeah. And so that night I saw this footage on, on, on our local TV station. And, and then that connection happened. It's like, oh, wow, video, film, art in general has this capacity to kind of witness, you know, things that are happening in our world and then, and then spread it, you know? So like, there's like an honoring and a sharing. Um, and that just felt like magical. What was it like at 11 years old seeing that, you know, as in, you're you're there and 
like at 11 it's hard to comp- contemplate jesus what goes on today let alone um the police storming into somewhere and and kind of creating a bit of havoc right what was it how did you feel yeah well i think in some ways young folks and when i was a kid you have such a clear sense of right and wrong like it's not muddied yet you know you're not like seeing necessarily all the multiple layers it's just like that is wrong like these folks have a right to be here and to love who they want to love and hold hands with who they want to hold hands with and this is wrong and so i think i remember feeling really angry and 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 it's such a visceral feeling as a kid you know Mm. um and so and then also really proud of my sister and i think that's something that really has stayed with me and has influenced my work because I just looked up to how she was really pushing against the mold and she had that she had courage um, to really go in there and, and put her life you know and turn on her life but like she some folks got arrested that night you know it's like you know that that sense of bravery you know and that night we were all wearing t-shirts that said brave girl um, just honoring folks who were kind of standing up to the injustices that they were experiencing. I think that's a beautiful link to uh, another area that I want to talk to you about, obviously, because I, my introduction to you, Ellie, was before I actually physically spoke to you or, or had, a, had a, a video conversation with you, was I actually saw, saw your work. Um, it's, uh, it was brought to my attention by a f- most wonderful lady, uh, Tina Katari, from an organization called Another Way Now. And Tina was a mentor to my sister when she was working um, in the UK and is now a really good friend. And I've actually befriended Tina now as well. I'm, I'm kind of jumping on the bandwagon there, but um, I had Tina on as a, as a guest earlier on, on the What Makes You Take podcast. And she spoke to me about Brave Girls. And it's interesting that you you had when you shot your first ever uh, documentary, which was Lesbian Avengers, you guys were holding these these placards saying Brave Girl and wearing these T-shirts and, and so on. And this movie that I got to see was called Brave Girls, but it was very different to what was happening in Washington, but also quite similar in a way. Right. So it was a documentary about these incredible girls who are fighting against, I suppose, a traditional norm. And I got to see that and I was blown away. And I said to Tina, um, any chance you could make an introduction? And she did. And here we are now. And I'd love if you wouldn't mind maybe just giving our listeners um, a summary or synopsis of what that story is about. um, And yeah, in your own words. Yeah. Um, wow. So, so Brave Girls, which um, is a film co-directed with my dear friend Yasha Sui, um, and it it follows three young women over the course, you know, of four years we filmed with them, and really showing them coming of age on their own terms, you know? So fighting for the right to go back to school, to stay in school, to live, to live a life of their choosing. 
Um, and, you know, the film captures them as they make an almost impossible decision between school and their, and their community by um, breaking from their arranged marriages so that they continue their education. Um, so it's a film which is honoring um, their courage, you know, to really um, recreate and reimagine the traditions um, that, they, that they live, you know. Yeah, like it's um, it's phenomenal. Like set in uh, in Dolka, is it in um, mm. India? Yeah. Um, and uh, what I found fascinating was, I suppose, Ireland is very much a kind of like a, a, a has been a very much a traditional country run by religion, right, and run by Catholicism. And back in the day, like when my parents and my grandparents were growing up, it was like they were it was the pillar of the community, right? Ireland, as I've been growing up, and as I've kind of uh, I suppose evolved into a man and stuff we become far more liberal and far more open and far more um accepting of different things like so we were the first country in europe to um um go for a gay marriage right we were the first mm -hmm. country in um our, we we've we've Im invited into the abortion law has made made that acceptable now you know so there's been a lot of really progressive things happening and mm -hmm. what i took from brave girls is that these girls are fighting against uh, tradition and against the way it always has been, which isn't necessarily the way it always should be, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what was it like for you going into this world from a Western kind of background into a completely different environment? Well, you know... What was interesting is that, um, like in some ways, just thinking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question, but I want to back up a little bit to the idea of like, of tradition, right? Because yeah. I think something that I learned making the film um, was that actually tradition isn't necessarily this thing that's like weighing on our shoulders from like our ancestors and we have to follow it you know um that it's like it's alive and it's constantly moving and and it can move because we are it like we are tradition we are like we we create it by through the rituals and how we interact with one another and i think um and like with that recognition like even for these young women like there were moments where their moms even shared, like, I've been so, I've been so scared of community and what they'll think. But then, but then they said, but I am that community and I, wait, I, I am part of this and let's create something that's healthy for us and what, how can we reimagine it? Yeah. So in that, in that sense, like walk, I kind of walked into a space um, that didn't necessarily feel like, um necessarily that different where I grew up right okay, I think great, you know yeah. at, at the end of the day you know they 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 really looked out for one another like going back to growing up on Mount Pleasant like everyone knew each other um you know you walked into someone's home and they immediately gave you chai and water and we talked about family um and there was I think this curiosity that went both ways. Like they were so curious about who I was and, and, and how I grew up. And, and just as much as I was curious about what was driving them and their dreams were. So I think that like entering that space, um, you know, really open, um, like it didn't, 
you know, I didn't feel so, so outside or different, but obviously I was. And I, yeah. and I think, you know, working, I was there with Yesha Suiz, which is interesting. She grew up a couple hours away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she, so she, hopefully she'll be, she'll be a guest on, uh, on the show as well to share her yeah. story, you know, but, but like, that's, that's the thing is like, remember this documentary while it's, is it two hours? An hour and a half? Just over an hour, just over an hour. Just over an hour, right? Yeah. So, but while, while it's over an hour, that's four years compressed into one hour, right? Which is a skill in itself because I, I worked in shoots and, and all that stuff and I know how, how long it takes. And, and like when you're flying the wall stuff, then it's a different story, right? But like that's shot over four years into one hour and you tell the story incredibly well. But wh- where did the idea come from? Like what was the, how did it, how did it become right, we're going to do this. Yeah, well, that's interesting because, you know, there's a there's an amazing director that I love at um, Cartemquin Films, Steve James and Gordon Quinn. They did Hoop Dreams and they always said the best films don't come from good ideas. They come from situations, comes from like life happening, unfolding. And I feel like, you know, for me, I, there's never a moment before one of my films where I like sit down and like, let me think of something that's really cool. (laughs) You know, I'm going to write a plan, you know, like I don't do any of that. Actually, I am, I'm so bad at planning. Like, don't sit me in front of a chessboard. I can't think strategically like I, but you know, I think how I live my life is is very open to things to things unfolding. So it's like like the first law of improv is yes and you know. So yes. if something someone comes to me with something, it's sort of opening my arms. Yes, and what can we do with that? So so to go back to your question, I was actually sitting in London because I went to film school in London at Goldsmiths, and I was working with young offenders, giving cameras. Um, to young people to capture their story of how, of what it was like living inside. And, and we created pieces and a woman from India who was part of a program that was sending girls back to school, she came over and saw what I was doing and said, we wanna do this in India. Uh, We would love for you to come facilitate workshops with our young women um, so that they create, they can create their stories. And that was really the seed. And so I landed in India, met Yasha Suyang, you know, in the first week. I hadn't, I didn't know her before then, no but I knew I couldn't do it alone. Um, and we just immediately connected and we, we landed in Dolka with a backpack full of donated cameras and, and no script or plan. The only thing we wanted to do was create a space for these young women to, to share, to dream, to play, to use the cameras to capture their journey back to school. So that was the beginning. Wow. Wow. Like, uh, it's, it, you, you would never think that while you're watching it, you know, you would think, you would think that it was very well kind of coordinated and, and choreographed and stuff because while it's lovely fly on the wall documentary type of thing, it's the girls are so honest and they're so like giving uh, to what it is they're trying to achieve. And for anybody that's listening, one of the things that stood out to me most was that in tradition with girls growing up in India, they are wedded. So they have, they have arranged marriages and 
with those arranged marriages, sometimes they work out and turn into love and sometimes they don't. But the girl doesn't have a say, right? And in that journey, what we're seeing here is these girls want to have a say in their future. They want to have a say in, in the world love and they want to have the say a say in their education and how they're educated and what choices they make for their lives. And I thought that was so powerful because it's easy for everybody to just go with the flow. I always say people are like sheep, right? We will get one, one sheep through the gate, the rest of them will flow and people are the exact same, right? Mm. However, you get that one sheep that decides not to do the norm and then it, it causes consternation, but it creates bravery in others. Mm. Could you maybe discuss um, and tell, Arl, tell, tell us just a little bit about this girl, Asfana? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say from the beginning, there was this spark in her um, <laughs> that was really just inspiring and amazing um, to be around and to capture because I think it was, you know, the second day of doing workshops before we'd even shifted into capturing the documentary. And we asked her and Karishma, I mean, they could ask each other whatever question. We didn't, we didn't give any sort of examples. We were like, whatever is on your heart, you know, on your heart, your mind, just ask, you know. And she said, you know, do you believe in love marriage? Do you believe in arranged marriage? Like she's just like came out with it into this space. And, um, you know, um, and then Karishma, you know, responded, you know, of course, you know, I want the ability to choose. And, and, and Absana, um, you know, said, how can, you know, to another girl who said, but we should follow what our family say, you know, she said, how can we give up on our dreams? And, you know, from that point on, Yashasui and I realized there was this deeper story unfolding. Um, and what was incredible about Absana is that, you know, for her, she deeply, deeply wanted to be able to support her family. Like she was, it can seem like this really selfish decision that she made, you know, to, to run away from this marriage so that, um, so that she can continue to go back to school because her, the husband that she was promised to um, was going to make her leave. And so she fell back into a corner, but because she really wanted to get a job and earn an earn a living so that she could support her mom, you know, like she's really yeah. thinking, she's not just thinking about herself in that moment, like she wants the right to choose, but she's doing it for her community, for her sisters, you know, um, and to see that conviction in her, even though she knew the price, she knew that she would be alienated which she was for years but I think she felt like I'm I'm not just doing it for my you know in some ways I'm doing it to support myself my family but also for the daughter that's not even born yet because I know that you know if we you know this is a generational change but she's really paying the price for that yeah she is and she's kind of like changing she's creating history right and like in you ever, ever hear the butterfly effect you know like uh, a butterfly's wing can cause a tornado uh, around the world right or uh, what, what something like that anyway <laughs> but essentially what she's doing is that she's kind of paving the way the more as far as there are in her community and in her traditional kind of growing up and, and um, environment the more adjustments will be made the more opportunities will be created the more people will want to hear their stories 
And I just think it's it's really interesting that seeing Brave Girls for me is like that's the moment of change. But probably we won't recognize that change in our generation. It'll be the generations next that will realize that change. Do you get me? Do you think that too? Yeah, I think so. It's so hard, you know, and I think I'm sure Yashasui will have deeper insights on this living there. Um, but I mean, on the one hand, I feel like India is a really huge country and things are probably pretty different in cities than in rural areas and things you're seeing those shifts already happening in the, in the cities. Um, but but I do feel having spoken a lot with Absana um, and she's been able to share this film and have conversations with other girls. And that's been a huge thing because it's like it's not just her story, but then she gets it becomes this tool for conversations and for things sparking. Um, and so many spaces there they're sharing this and people connect and like relate like, wait, that's me. You know, I feel trapped. Maybe I could do that. So who knows? Maybe it could happen sooner. But I do know that you're right in that, you know, she is you know, committed to really honoring her daughter's dreams. It's actually the last line of the film, which maybe I shouldn't give away, but it's like... Hey, you're the director. It's your show. <laughs> Why not? You say it. But... Say what you need to say. <laughs> but she, I just love it because she's like, you know, I have dreams for my daughters, but ultimately, you know, I want to support her dreams. And it's like that, that subtle shift. And like, and I know as a parent, like we all have these expectations, dreams for our kids, but in, in order to be like, no, I need to honor their path. You know, and that's and that's huge. That's interesting you say that because from that experience, have you kind of adjusted or have you have you taken some of the learnings yourself to to being a being a mom? Well, I have two small boys who are two and five year olds, and they are rebels. <laughs> <laughs> like the mother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but actually, it's good because sometimes I'm like, oh my Lord, can we just like rein it in? Let's like follow some rules. And then I have to remember, like, wait one second. Like, I'm all about like, the rule breakers. So maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I turned out okay. So yeah, right. exactly. yeah, jump in that puddle. <laughs> yeah. Who needs shoes? Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fine. Just to be, be one with, <laughs> be one with the ground, be one with, with the earth. The the what advice would you give a? I suppose let me phrase this a little bit differently. Um, I worked with a university, right, called Maynooth University here in Ireland, and they have a they have a fascinating um course in film studies and movies and stuff. And their lecturer, the kind of the dean of the the whole the whole thing was, um always found that when it came to say role plays right that people say say that lady or women would naturally fall into the producer role right and men would naturally fall into the director role and she always questioned it because it wasn't because of a skill set it was essentially because of a kind of like a a way something has been triggered in their mind to think that guys are directors girls are producers right now what I love to what I love and I'm really enjoying at the moment is obviously speaking to you, but watching even um, there was a documentary um, uh, uh, on those lads in New York. Uh, it's on Netflix at the moment, but it was about these kids who were put away for um, a crime they didn't commit. But it was directed by this amazing uh, African-American female. Right. I can't think of her name. 
But what I'm loving is that you're getting to see so many incredibly talented female producers or directors coming to the fore, right? And what this lecturer used to say was, why are you falling into that role? Naturally, you have the skill set to be a director. So you're the director, you know? So my question is, what was it like going, working as a female director in a predominantly male world, you know? Yeah, well, as you might imagine, I kind of sidestepped in some ways the industry, but I'm just going to create my own path over here. That's said, I still experienced it. And I have a lot of friends who really decided um, to climb the ladder in um, in the industry. So at a, a TV channel, at a production company, and really struggled because they were often pigeonholed mm-hmm. as um, AP, as a you know associate producer, as a as a production assistant, as a producer. Which is like again, it's like it is a gender stereotype that women are good at organizing and you know supporting and and. You know, I and and they found it really hard, especially friends of mine who are filmmakers of color. That's a even a whole other, you know, level of you know dealing with that oppression and not being seen and heard. Um, But I think that is one path, and you can still carve your way through that. And this one friend I'm thinking about is now directing, so she made it through, and it was a struggle. Um, I think for just speaking personally, I think from the get I knew I didn't want to climb a ladder. I think the style of filmmaking and my process of filmmaking, which is really about, you know, same as, you know, how Brave Girls started. It's like partnering with communities to co-create stories and maintaining their ownership of those stories. Um, I think some of that is now happening more so in the mainstream. But when I started 15 years ago, that was really just not... um, not recognize as the process because it takes a long time you know yeah, and it, yeah. and in some ways like people think that you, know, you need to have um a sense of distance and objectivity and i'm not trying to be i'm not a journalist i'm a filmmaker like i want to co-create and we're gonna and what i like what i value most is authenticity um and dignity and i feel like that really gets strengthened when you're in a process of co-creation with the community um so all that to say like I think, you know, I've definitely had my fair share of being hired on shoots as a, because I get hired as a cinematographer and dealing with some of the the dudes on set. (laughs) I'm small too, so I think there's this like, how do you get the camera up there? It's like, well, I raise my arms. (laughs) Thank you for listening to part one. Ellie's energy is unquestionable and her passion is just bursting through. Part two is coming up. And if you want to know more, head to whatmakesyoutick.net.